Hello, I'm Pastor Jacob Aranza, and welcome to our Savior's Church, Church at Home. 21 years ago, my beautiful wife, Michelle, and I planted our Savior's Church, which now has six campuses spread all across Acadiana. Last weekend, we began a new series called The Hope of Heaven. Last week's message was, Is Heaven Real? We learned from the Word of God that if the Word of God is real, the Bible, and if Jesus is real, then heaven must be real. As a matter of fact, not only is it real, Jesus said he is going there to prepare a place for us. The Bible mentions heaven over 600 times, so it must be real. So now that we know heaven is real, here's another question. What is heaven like? That's right. What's it like? C.S. Lewis, the famous Christian apologetist, former atheist, said this, the best of life on earth is a glimpse of heaven, and the worst is a glimpse of hell. He went on to say, if I find in myself a desire for which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is, I was made for another world. Prolific writer Gordon McDonald said, heaven is not too good to be true. It's too good, so it must be true. So, what is heaven like? Today, I want to share with you a few practical things about heaven, and then I want to do something really exciting. I want to introduce you to a few people who went to heaven. You say, well, Pastor, I know people that went to heaven. Yeah, but these people went to heaven and came back. Yes, you heard me right. They died and went to heaven and came back. Do you have loved ones in heaven? Today, we will see what heaven is really like. Let me tell you a few things about heaven that are just amazing. The first one, will we see people from the Bible in heaven? We've all heard about David who killed Goliath and Daniel of Daniel in the lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Abraham and Isaac. Will we see these people in heaven? Well, there's only one person who could tell us that. That's someone who's been there. Jesus came from heaven, and here's what he said in Matthew 8, 11. I say to you that many Gentiles will come from the east and the west and sit down to the feast table and enjoy God's promises with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God because they've accepted me as their savior. That's right. Your famous Bible heroes, you're going to be able to sit right down beside and say, David, how tall really was Goliath? You're going to be able to say to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did you really come out not smelling like smoke? We'll meet our heroes from the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Who do you want to meet? Who do you want to meet? I can't wait for that day. Here's the second thing about heaven. Will we meet our guardian angels in heaven? Now, for many of us, most of our life, we've heard, wow, you must really have a guardian angel that protected you. But do you know that's exactly what the Bible says? Psalm says the angels of the Lord surround those who fear God. But Jesus, who came from heaven, who saw this actually happening, said this in Matthew 18, 10. 
Watch that you do not treat a single one of these childlike believers arrogantly. You do realize, don't you, that their personal angels are constantly in touch with my Father in heaven. Who, Who more would know that than Jesus himself, who came from heaven and who saw for thousands of years, angels interact, protect, guide, and direct. Let me ask you a question. What do you think your guardian angel will say to you? (laughs) I've always thought that when I got to heaven because of the life that I lived before I came to know Christ in the early years of my Christian life, he's going to come up and he's going to have a cast in one hand and he might be in a sling in the other one and he might be limping and walk up and go, I'm sure glad you got here. Do you know what happened to me? Here's the third question. Will you recognize others? And will they recognize you in heaven? Paul answers that question in Corinthians 13, 12, when he says, for now we see through a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but on that day, I shall be known. I shall know even as I am known. In other words, I will know my loved ones. They will know me. Can I ask you a question? Who are you excited to see first? In my family, I had two praying grandmothers, two grandmothers on each side, that even though that there were many siblings, aunts and uncles that did not follow in the faith, these grandmothers had amazing faith. One, I only knew till I was three years old. The other, I knew till I was 16 years old but the Bible says that they're in heaven and along with a great angelic host, they are watching as I run my race and answer many prayers that they prayed for their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that are yet to come. Let me ask you a question. Who can you not wait to see? Your mama, your dad, your grandmother, your grandfather, a sister, a brother, a pastor, a priest, a friend. Here's the fourth question. Will we ever be hungry or thirsty in heaven? Now, I want to remind you that during biblical times, the Bible is written primarily in the Middle East. So so it was very hot at times. and, and, And being without food and being without water was a constant fear and concern. Listen to what Revelation 7, 16 and 17 says. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. That means no more famine, no more starvation, no more drought, all gone away. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of life-giving waters. That's right. Springs of life-giving waters. He will supply for us. He will care for us. And then it says this, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Let me tell you what he's saying. There's going to be no more overwhelming heat. There's going to be no more thirst. That longing for something that's never satisfied. And there's going to be no more hunger or starvation. Here's the fifth thing. Will we ever be sad in heaven? I I think that that all of us have thought of that, of of maybe a loved one or someone we know that died and 
And we don't know whether they were in faith and in relationship with God. Revelations 21.4 says this, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things will be gone forever. Let me say this again. No more tears. No more pain. No more pain. No more sorrow. That's pain of the heart. That's pain of the mind and torment of the mind and the heart. He says there'll be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow. Not only will there be no more tears, there'll be no more crying. There'll be nothing to cry over. And then finally, that one enemy that came because of sin in the garden, death. When God said, if you touch or eat of the tree, you will surely die. And with that came fear and guilt and shame and death. There will be no more death. There will never be another funeral. There will never be a lost loved one. It will never, ever, ever happen again. You say, Pastor, how about the other memories that are there? Well. I believe that the same God that allows people through diseases that they have right now to not remember, if he can do that here on earth, I am confident he can do that in heaven. Now, let me introduce you to a few people who've actually started here on earth, died, and went to heaven and then came back with a message for us. You say, well, pastor, what is this? Just some kind of religious nuts or, or some people who, who were on a lot of medication and, and they thought they died and they came back? Well, two of them are physicians and one of them is a Harvard neurologist, Dr. Eben Alexander. Listen to their stories as they tell you and I the message that God allowed them to experience to bring from heaven back to earth to you and me. A remote river in South America, when I dropped over a waterfall and my boat became pinned at the bottom, I was immediately covered with water and submerged. With no air, I desperately tried to free myself, but when I realized I would not be able to do it on my own, I asked only that God's will be done. And I was immediately enveloped by a very physical sense of being held and comforted and reassured that everything would be fine, regardless of whether I lived or died. I was calm and comfortable as I reviewed my life with all of its highs and lows. And I thought about my husband and my four young children Then I felt the boat shift and began to feel my body ever so slowly being sucked out and down the river by the current. I was surprised to find that even as I felt my legs breaking, I felt no pain. I felt great. And as my body went forward over the boat, I could feel my soul peeling away from my body, sort of like peeling apart two pieces of tape. And when my body finally broke free of the boat, I could feel my soul break free from my body. And I rose up and out of the river 
and was immediately greeted by a host of spirits. Not people I recognized from this earthly life, like my grandfather or my babysitter, but I knew that I had known these people for an eternity, and they had known me. We rejoiced and danced as I was guided along this path to a great domed hall that was intensely beautiful. It radiated the pure, complete, and absolute love of God. And the beauty was such that I felt like I could see it and hear it and feel it and taste it all at the same time. I knew that this was where I and all people had a final opportunity to choose God or turn away. I was excited to make this choice and I could hardly wait. And the spirits inside this hall shared my excitement when I arrived, but just as quickly they shared my disappointment when the spirits who had guided me to this hall turned to me and told me that my work on earth was not done and that I must return to my body. They did tell me some of the reasons for my return and they spoke to me about the future death of my oldest son. During my spiritual encounters, I also gained insight into some of the big questions of our day, such as why do bad things happen to good people? Does God really love each one of us? And is he really present? And is there really life after death? I have led a truly remarkable life, and I have had an extraordinary walk with God. But I absolutely know that God really does love each and every one of us. He has a plan for each of us. And He will never leave us. The place that I was in had no ceiling. It was just blue sky up above. There were about 150 to 200 people there. And they were beautiful. They were so thrilled to see me. Nobody has ever been that thrilled to see me. They were all applauding. Many of them were crying. Every one of them had to hug me. Some two or three times had to hug me. I hugged every one of them. They were communicating an affection, a level of affection that is, I've never had that before, ever. devices engaged the patient does get a major electrical shock he was totally unresponsive way back in the distance way up behind me on on the top of a mountain so big that it had this winding road all the way up it and there were so many people on that road going up and coming down that the hill looked like it was alive, like it was like a beehive, you know, just constantly moving. And the top of the hill, very clearly delineated, was a Syrian mountain man. <laughs> and he looked an awful lot like Jesus. He looked to be about 15 feet tall, long hair, beard, mustache, and just 
the most uh, piercing and kind eyes. He asks you a question. What did you do for your fellow man? It's a life review. You're going year by year through your whole life. Anytime you're stuck and you don't recall, one of the walls comes alive as the movie of your life. And it shows you doing something for your fellow man. For me, that was when I was 10, 10, 11 years old. I didn't know if I did anything for somebody then. And um, the wall came alive. And there I was as a crossing guard at my grammar school. And I just took that responsibility so seriously, especially with the little kids, the, the kindergartners and the first graders and so on. Um, and according to wherever I was, I call it paradise, but that was what I did for my fellow man when I was 10. I was trying to answer the question over and over again, what have you done for your fellow man? And then, wham, like a ton of bricks, like a truck you never saw coming. Literally, just wham. million Americans claim to have had a near-death experience, but neurosurgeon Eben Alexander never thought in a thousand years he would be one of them. The journey began, he says, in a dark, formless place without memory, language, or time, but then... I was rescued from that by the spinning melody of light that came closer and opened up and was a, a rip in the fabric of reality that just opened up around me. You described this world as hyper-vivid. The colors were extremely vivid with millions of butterflies and these flowers blooming, blossoms opening as we flew by. And by his side, an unknown presence. There was a, a person guiding you, a, a, a beautiful girl, as you describe her. Can, tell me what she looked like. She had a beautiful face with a, a, a wide smile and uh, high cheekbones and absolutely gorgeous, clear blue eyes. She never said a word to me. She would look at me and the thoughts would come directly into my, into my mind, into my awareness. What thoughts? And the thoughts were, you are loved, you are cherished. There's nothing you can do wrong. I always remember being told, we will teach you many things, but you'll be going back. Back to the hospital where his wife kept her vigil and his doctors were giving up hope. On the seventh day of his coma, he opened his eyes. And now finally, what amazing stories. We found out what it was like when they saw God. They talked about their life flashing in front of them. They talked about giving account for the things that they did. The Bible says one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. That's where believers will stand. Born again believers. Those who are not born again will stand before the judgment seat of God. Now, here's my last question. What will it be like when we see God? What, what, what will it be like when we see God? I made reference to this scripture last weekend, but all week long I've thought about it and I, I want to share it again with you in Revelations 3, 5, where it says this, and conquerors will march in a victory parade. 
a victory prayer. Their name's indelibly in the book of life. That's the book that when we're born again, God writes our name in that book, never to be blotted out. And I'll lead them up and present them by name to my father and his angels. Let me tell you what that means. That means to my friend, Ed, who was an alcoholic for almost 50 years of his life. But Jesus is going to come and he's going to bring up Ed. And he's going to say, Father, this is Ed. I, I gave my life for him. I shed my blood for him in obedience to you to bring Ed to you, delivered from alcohol, freed and forgiven and transformed. Then he's going to bring up another. Here's Chad. Chad was a a drug addict for years all across this region. Chad made millions and lost millions. But Father, I gave my life for him. And because I did, he's been forgiven and redeemed and transformed. And now I bring him to you. And then he's going to say, here's Don. And then he's going to say, here's Danielle. And then he's going to say, here's Mary. And here's Susan. And he's going to bring each one of them in pride to say, Father, I gave my life to them. This is the victory parade. They've made it because of my sacrifice on the cross for them. I can't wait till they get to me. Father, here's Jacob. He was raised in a bar. Parents divorced multiple times drugs, alcohol, hurt, pain, rejection, abuse. But Jesus will bring me then before the Father and say, but I gave my life for him. I washed him in my blood so that now I could transform him and present him to you. That's the conqueror's parade. That's the one that you and I are going to be a part of if you're a born again child of God. So let me ask you this question. Are you ready for heaven? You say, Pastor, how, how, how can I be? I've been christened, I've been baptized, I've joined the church. Is, isn't that what I need to do? That's a great start. But it's not what Jesus said. Remember, he's the only one that came from heaven. He's the only one that knows what it takes to get into heaven. He said this in John 3, 3, unless a man or woman is born again, they won't see the kingdom of heaven. Unless a man or woman is born again, they won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he said, don't be surprised. You must be born again. But let me explain that. My birthday's June the 17th, but my spiritual birthday's the week before Easter, 1971, when I prayed with an African-American counselor in my junior high school. That day, the old Jacob died and a new one was spiritually raised from the dead, just like Jesus was raised from the dead. That day, my sins were forgiven. That day, that broken relationship with God became reunited because of the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That day I was born again. It became my spiritual birthday. That day what Jesus said to that man Nicodemus in John 3, 3, when he told him he had to be born again, that's exactly what happened to me. Have you been born again? You say, Pastor, how how can I be born again? I I thought being Christian baptized, you joined the church was enough. As I said, that's a good start. But it's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus Christ became God's sin bearer because somebody had to die for your sin. 
Either you will or you trust that he did. See, confess Christ as your Lord and Savior as you turn away from sin through repentance to be born again. The moment you pray that and do that, that moment you go from spiritual death to spiritual life in the same way Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, the same way I was raised from the spiritually dead in that junior high school, you become raised spiritually from the dead and you become a born again child of God. Would you like to be born again today? Would you like to be ready for heaven? I want to pray with you today. I want to pray with you. And at the end of this prayer, you'll be born again if you sincerely pray it with your whole heart. Would would you pray this prayer with me? Would you just repeat it right now? If you're with people, you might want to repeat it in your heart or just quietly. If you're by yourself, you can pray it out loud. Here it is. Dear Lord Jesus. Come on, say it. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Come on, say it. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you died for my guilt, my sin, and my shame. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn away from sin to be born again. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Come live inside of me. Now say it with me. Today, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. Heaven is my home. And I am born again in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you prayed to be born again with Pastor Jacob, congratulations. You've just made the best decision of your life. And we'd love to help you on the next step. All you have to do is text Connect OSC to the number 41411. Someone from our team is going to reach out to you and help you on your spiritual journey. We also want to say thank you for your continued generosity during this crucial time. If you haven't had the opportunity to give, you can text the word OSC family to the number 77977 or go to com, click give or mail it to the address on your screen. And one more thing, don't forget, join us tonight on Facebook Live for Unite 714. That's at 714 p.m. tonight as we pray with the body of Christ around the world to continue to pray to break the back of COVID-19. Thanks again. God bless you. And we'll see you next week for part three of The Hope of Heaven.